If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. We are uh, in the middle of a series entitled Unprecedented. Unprecedented. That God, our, our, our focus is on God doing things he hasn't done before. Not that he's been unwilling, but uh, we, often we haven't given him the freedom to do uh, what uh, he wants to do. And uh, our focus then is on being in such a place that God can do the unprecedented in our lives, in our church, in our homes, our communities, our schools. Yes, even in our government. Amen? How many know God's not finished? He's not done. He hasn't folded in his tent, so to speak. He hasn't turned away. He hasn't become passive. God is active. God is moving. Uh, God is desiring to do the unprecedented in, in our hearts and lives and in all our surroundings. And so that's our focus. We look here in uh, Acts chapter 18. We'll begin reading with verse number 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today as we continue the unprecedented series the title of today's message is A Higher Level. A Higher Level. There was a barber in a small local town who had been the only barber in town for years. Everyone went to this uh, barber to get their hair cut. Then one day, a big hair salon franchise came to town and opened up shop. They advertised all haircuts for $3. This was a few years ago. Slowly, the barber's business began to, but it was, it was, it was a, a, a low price even, even then. Slowly, the barber's business began to dwindle. He couldn't compete. In a last-ditch effort to save his business, he hired a business consultant. The consultant spent a day poring over the barber's books and asking many questions. At the end of the day, the barber asked the consultant, so what do you think? Should I close up shop? The consultant said, not yet. I'll be back tomorrow. The next day, the consultant showed up with a huge banner that he hung in front of the barber shop. It said, we fix $3 haircuts. <laughs> Some Christians have looked for an easier, cheaper way, not just to get haircuts, but to serve God. There isn't one. Allow me to share with you today how you can fix the so-called $3 haircut in your life. 
and allow God to take you to a higher level. What we're saying is this, you can't serve God on the cheap. You can't serve God casually, minimally. You can do a lot of things on the cheap. They say that our website's touting vacations on the cheap. You know, uh, buying your groceries on the cheap. You can't serve God on the cheap. You can't serve God with a minimal investment of yourself, your life. And so the question I want to answer in the next few minutes is this. What kind of person does God take to a higher level? What kind of person? I believe we see in this passage the description of a man named Apollos who is the example to you and me of the type of person that God uh, takes to, the high, to a higher level. Not that he doesn't want to take all of us to a higher level. That's the point he does. The question is, are you uh, and am I the type of person that God can take to a higher level? So what kind of person does God take to a higher level? First of all, it, this person is someone with a passion for God's word. Someone with a passion for God's word. Uh, Apollos, it says here, was a Jew, a native of Alexandria, not Alexandria, Virginia, of course, uh, but Alexandria, Egypt. He came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, verse 24 tells us. He had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. And, uh, and so he was a man of God used to share the scriptures. And it says he spoke, uh, verse 25 says, with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He spoke with great fervor. Uh, the, the word translated fervor uh, in the original Greek means to have fervor means to be hot or to boil, literally. He had a great passion for the word of God. His knowledge of the scriptures was imperfect, but he applied it the best he could up to the level of his understanding. He had a passion for the word of God. You see, for many of us, uh, especially if we've been in the church for a while, the problem isn't that we don't know enough, it's that we don't live what we know. Come on. I know that's a sobering thought, but it's true, isn't it? You've heard sermons, you know, you, you've, you've heard messages, you've, you've read passages in the Bible, and, and you know... Some would call us overfed. Not if you could be overfed on the word of God, you can't. But you know what I mean. We, we, we've heard it all. But the thing is, how does it impact us? If we have a passion, a fervor for the word of God, it's going to make an impact in our lives. Uh, in 2017, there, there were hurricanes Harvey and Irma and uh, there were particularly violent hurricanes, and there were many in the coastal areas who were given warnings about fleeing the coming hurricanes, and many chose to ride it out. You know, there are always people in every hurricane season. We're going to ride it out. And almost in every case, they do so to their regret if they even survive, because they fail to heed the warnings of the authorities. And... Boy, that is an, a picture of 
the life of many people, many people even in the church, in relation to the authority of the Word of God. We read the scriptures, we see the warnings, we see the exhortations, and what do we do? We brush it aside. Why? Because we want to live a certain way. We want to follow our own agenda. We want to do what we want to do. We want to live how we want to live. Can I tell you something? If we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves believers, we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And if we have a passion for God's word, God's word is, is his love letter to us. It's his guidebook for living. It's the, it's, it's, it's the owner's manual, if you will. And if we have a passion for God's word, listen, listen, I don't care, it's been thousands of years. Listen, if we follow the word of God, if we obey the word of God, if we have a passion for God's word and we do our very uh, best to order our lives according to the principles of this word, uh, life is going to work for us. We're going to live a victorious Christian life. I'm not saying we won't have trouble. I'm not saying we won't have sorrow, we won't have difficulty. That's part of life on earth. But if we follow the word of God, if we have a passion for God's word, if it becomes our spiritual food, uh, we will find that we will live victorious Christian lives. The word of God has a lot to say about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 119, 105, you hear me quoted often, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Psalm 119.9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Luke 11.28, he meaning Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Isaiah 40, verse 8, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Psalm 18, 30, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. Uh, Matthew 7, 24, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Let me tell you, the word of God needs to be paramount in each and every one of our lives. Uh, we, we, we make our own agenda and set our own course at our own peril this morning. And when we sing a song like, I made up my mind, I've got no more excuses, uh, you know what, if that's not our heart, let's not sing those words, because those words have meaning. We're saying that before Almighty God, and we're saying, God, I'm going to do things your way.
I'm going to order my finances your way. I'm going to stay morally pure because your word tells me to and reserve sexual relationships for a monogamous marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, who, those who were born that way. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I, I'm going to have my speech be pure because your word says to have my speech be pure. Lord, I'm going to live a life of integrity because your word says to live a life of integrity. And Lord, I recognize from your word there's no such thing as little white lies. There's the truth or there are lies, period. Amen? I have a passion for God's word. I want to challenge you. We encourage folks at the beginning of every year to read through God's word or to, to focus uh, for, for that year on a particular passage or character study some way, but devise some plan to get into the word of God. And if that's not your practice, listen, this is Christianity 101, but so many believers uh, do not absorb and receive the word of God as their spiritual food. And if you and I have any desire to go to the next level, we are going to have a passion for the word of Almighty God. Amen? We need to stir ourselves. We need to stir ourselves. The kind of person God takes to the next level is a person with a passion for God's word. Secondly, the type of person God takes to the next level is someone with a teachable spirit. With a teachable spirit. In verse 26, it says, He, meaning Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. You see, he was, had a passion for God's word. He was a bold and powerful speaker, but he needed a little correction in his understanding of the scriptures. It says earlier, he only knew John's baptism. He didn't know baptism in, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so who were Aquila and Priscilla? They were a husband and wife team. You know what they did for a living? They weren't evangelists. They weren't pastors. They were tent makers. They made tents. Perfectly honorable profession. But they weren't quote unquote clergy. Which is by the way is not a biblical term. We use it but it's not a biblical term. But they were, they were passionate followers of Christ. And so they explained the word of God to him more adequately. And uh, the, the implication is he listened. He had a teachable spirit. Uh, when it says they explained it more adequately, uh, the Greek actually means more perfectly, more accurately, more severely, more rigorously. They were tent makers and he was a bold public speaker, yet he could learn from them. In his blog, a man named David Murray calls te being teachable the most important life skill. I, I want to share with you his description of having a teachable spirit versus an unteachable spirit. What does unteachability look like? Well, folks who are unteachable don't take notes, don't read books, or learn anything unless it's the bare minimum or what's essential for exam purposes. They don't ask questions or attempt anything that might reveal their ignorance or risk looking stupid. They don't accept responsibility for failures but blame anyone and everyone else. Unteachable people don't seek or accept one-to-one -one personal guidance or mentoring from parents, teachers, pastors, elders, etc. or tent makers, I'll throw in. They don't listen but talk, talk, talk about themselves, especially when they're with someone they can learn a lot from. 
Unteachable uh, people don't take criticism or correction without resentment or retaliation. They resist moving out of personal comfort zones in work, study, ministry, or relationships, but always look for the easy and familiar route. Unteachable people don't read, listen to, or learn anything that challenges existing presuppositions, practices, or prejudices. You don't have to say amen. If you want to say ouch, you can. In contrast, teachability means you're aware of the limitations of your own knowledge and abilities. You admit limitation and ability and ignorance to others who can teach and help. You regularly ask for help, instruction, guidance, and advice. You learn from anyone and everyone you can. You listen to others carefully and patiently with a desire to learn from everyone. You're prepared to move out of your comfort zone, try something different, make mistakes, even look stupid, answer wrongly, etc. You don't give up when you fail at something, but seek help and try again and again until you get it right. You're willing to change your views and practices when convincing evidence is presented to you even if it means admitting you were wrong. There's another word someone said for teachability. It's the word humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 9, 9, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. I respectfully ask today, do you have a teachable spirit? Pastor Tim, I, you know, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've served in leadership. I've even stood behind a, pul in a pulpit. I'm, uh, you know, what can, what can a tent maker teach me? What can an office worker teach me? What can somebody teach me? A lot. Amen? We need to have a teachable spirit. We need to be humble. You know, we can live on this earth a million years. We'll never have learned it all. We'll never have God totally figured out. We'll, we'll never perfectly understand his word. There'll always be some truth. There'll always be some nugget. I've been serving God all my life and just hit a milestone yesterday. Hit half of 130 yesterday. So, uh, sounds older when you say it that way. And I've learned a lot, but there's so much more I need to learn. Do we have a teachable spirit? Can we learn? If not, and, and we need to take an honest look inside and say, am I so proud? Do I have an unteachable spirit or can I learn? Can I be teachable? A teachable person is the kind of person God takes to a higher level than him. Amen? Thirdly, what's the third characteristic of someone God takes to a higher level? It's someone with a holy ambition. Someone with a holy ambition. It says Apollos wanted to go to Achaia and the brothers encouraged him and they welcomed him. It says on arriving he was a great help to them. In verse 28, he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He, he had a desire to do something for God. He, he, he wanted to make a difference and, and, you know, in the kingdom of God. He wanted to use his gifts for God. He had a holy ambition. You know, we could, we could take a survey of what our number one ambition is in life. And if we were all answer honestly, I wonder what some of those answers would reflect. You know, 
become a millionaire before I'm 40 or 50 or 60 or any time. <laughs> Work my way up the corporate ladder. Have a nice house. Three-car garage, luxury vehicles. Have perfect house. What, what, what's your ambition? I believe if we call ourselves Christians, our first and foremost ambition should be to advance the kingdom of Almighty God. You know, we only have so many years on this earth. What are we here for? Whose kingdom are we building? What is our business? Let me tell you, if, if we're believers in Christ, our business is kingdom business. Well, Pastor Tim, I'm not clergy. There's that word again, that unbiblical word, non-biblical word. It's not unbiblical. It's just not in the Bible. Pastor Tim, that's, that's your job. No, it's our job. Come on. Man, I could tell you story of, uh, uh, after story of uh, so-called lay people, also another non-extra-biblical uh, term, who, who, man, have just turned their neighborhoods and their schools and, and their places of business upside down, sharing Jesus Christ and boldly speaking like an Apollos, boldly speaking the word of God. And, and so many of us were so fixated on earthly things. I know we have bills to pay. I know we have responsibilities to take care of and to discharge. But folks, we need to be kingdom-minded. We need to be heavenly-minded. We, we, we need to be focused on things that matter and last for eternity. And if you're here today and you can't honestly say, I have a holy ambition, I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're so-called retired from how you earned a living. Uh, it doesn't matter. We never retire from the kingdom of God. And God wants to give you a holy ambition and he'll do it if you get down on your knees before him and say, God, I've been focused too much on things of this earth, on things that don't matter. God, give me a holy ambition. God, give me a passion. Lord, give me a task. Give me a spiritual goal to accomplish for you and then turn me loose and let me fulfill that holy ambition. That's what Apollos did. One of the most popular aquarium fish is the shark. If you catch a small shark and confine it, it will stay, you've heard this, it will stay in a size proportionate to the aquarium you put it in. Sharks can be six inches long, yet fully matured. Did you know that? Depends on the, uh, how they're confined. But if you turn them loose in, in the ocean, they grow to their normal length of eight feet. That's the same thing that's true with our Christian lives. If, if, if we keep ourselves confined with no spiritual ambition, we're going to be, I hate to use the term, we're going to be baby Christians. Like those cute little six-inch sharks. How, how, how many would be afraid of a six-inch shark? What about an eight-foot one? Yeah? Yeah, I'd, I'd be as far away from that as I could, right? I just heard about a shark attack the other day. Uh, you know what? Satan's kingdom isn't, isn't uh, afraid of baby Christians. Six, and by baby, I mean immature. I'm not, I'm not talking about new, new Christians. God, Satan's kingdom isn't afraid of six-inch Christians, so to speak. But man, you have a Christian that's full grown. You have a Christian with a holy ambition. You have a, 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 a Christian who wants to tear down uh, the, the, the works of the enemy. Let me tell you, Satan's kingdom trembles over God's people who have a holy ambition and are being used of God. I don't care what your occupation is. 
A man after 25 years with one company was still doing the same old job and still drawing the same salary. Finally, he went to his boss and he said that he'd been neglected. He said, after all, I've had a quarter century of experience. The boss said, my dear fellow, you know you're in trouble when someone says, my dear fellow. He said, you haven't had a quarter century of experience. You've had one year of experience for a quarter century. How about you? What's your ambition? What's your desire? What part of the kingdom of God in your context, in your life situation, do you want to advance for him? In conclusion this morning, do you have a heart to go to a higher level? That's the question. We all say, I want God to do the unprecedented in my life, in my family, in my world. But what if he wants to do that through you? Do you have the desire to go to a higher level. For some, if you're here, maybe watching online, maybe you've never, maybe you've been in the church, you've never accepted Christ. A higher level for you is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. To ask him to forgive you of your sin by his blood he shed on the cross and to make you his child. Give your life to him. That's, that's the most important decision you can make in life. For some, it might be following the Lord in water baptism. For some, it might be becoming a member of a church such as this one. For some, a higher level might mean making lifestyle changes to conform your life more to the Word of God. Walking in integrity, walking in purity by conforming to God's Word. For others, it might be surrendering your life to service, to serve God. Getting out of your comfort zone and accomplishing something for the kingdom of God. We're all called to do that. So as I conclude today, some questions to consider. First of all, how seriously do you take God's word in your everyday life? How seriously do you take God's word? Every part of it. Is it something you can take or leave? You know, I say some people have the salad bar approach. You've heard me say this too, to the Word of God. Of course, we don't see salad bars much since COVID, right? But you remember, remember salad bars? I love a good salad. You, you take what you want. Don't take what you don't like. My wife's salad bar plate looks a lot different than mine. You know, we have different tastes. That's some people's approach to God's Word. I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, that talks about faith. We're more than conquerors. <laughs> hey! Do everything to the glory of God. Oh, I'm going to leave that off my, my salad. No, 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 no. It's God's word. How seriously do you take God's word in your everyday life? Second thing to consider, do you have a teachable spirit? Whether you're a young Christian, whether you're a mature Christian, are you able to learn and willing to learn from anyone and everyone? A third thing to consider, do you have a holy ambition to do great things for God? regardless of where you are in your, your age, your life situation? Do you have a holy ambition? God can give you one. And you can go to a higher level in Him.